0: Welcome back to The Hustle Podcast. Today, we are going to talk with Andy Vitali, lead interaction designer at 3M Healthcare in the Minneapolis area. Andy's team has been getting a lot of uh, notice lately, and a few articles have been written about the way that they work in Fast code Design, the Envision blog, and um, in Usability Matters. Today, Andy and I are going to talk about how to measure the impact of user experience, UX processes, and how to grow um, user experience competency within a large organization. Here's Andy Vitale. Hey Andy, what's up man? Hey man, what's going on? Oh, just drinking bourbon, hanging out Friday, trying to wind down the week. What about you?
1: <sighs> Same thing. It's been a, a long week just sitting in an empty office, um, looking out the window, it's 70 degrees and sunny. It looks like it's going to be an awesome weekend, so I'm real excited for That's it. That's
0: cool. You got any, got any cool plans?
1: Yeah, I'm going to do some apple picking this weekend. Uh, I've never been, and it's a pretty big thing in Minnesota. And, you know, you pretty much think apple picking is like fall, October even. But here, like, this is prime season for it. So I might as well take advantage of it while I can.
0: Uh, Speaking of apples, uh, you want to say something about your Apple experience?
1: Yeah, you know, I I ordered the iPhone 7 Plus, and I really wanted the black one. And the black one was sold out within like a couple of minutes, so I got a gold one. And when the gold one first came out, I wanted a gold one, but I couldn't get it because it sold out. So now that I finally have a gold one, I don't want it. I wanted the black (laughs) one, but I also have to be first to have it. So I'm stuck with this 256-gig gold one that I got today. When it came AT&T, they said it didn't have a SIM card in it or the lady on the phone didn't understand how to set up the SIM card. And I was like, this never happened before. Every (laughs) time I get it, it's just plug and play and it knows. And it told me that my AT&T account expired. So an hour on the phone with them, finally it's working. But at the same time, I have to set up everything all over again because I set it up as a new phone. So the watch, all of the notification settings, it's, it's going to be a mess. I don't know why I do this to myself every well, year.
0: Well, I think we know exactly what you'll be doing this weekend then.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> okay, Andy, why don't you uh, give us an introduction. Tell us what you're uh, what you're doing.
1: Sure. I'm currently lead interaction designer for 3M's healthcare business group. 3M is actually in healthcare. We're a lot more than just post-it notes and scotch tape. Those are iconic brands that everybody is familiar with, but we actually make physical and digital products for patients, payers, and providers. When we talk about patients, everybody knows what that is. We're all patients at some point, unfortunately. But when we talk about providers, we're talking about doctors, nurses, dentists, orthodontists, anyone that provides care to somebody, and payers are insurance companies. We support six divisions, ranging from dental and orthodontic products to food safety drug delivery system even enterprise software with our health information systems division and it's primarily where i've been focusing lately
0: uh, that's that's pretty cool man i mean you know i talk to a lot of people i'm sure you do like you know the, like you know all these consumer product companies are all the rage but wouldn't you agree that there's just unlimited awesome opportunity to to do great things at with enterprise companies.
1: Yeah, and especially for me in healthcare, like 3M itself, it's a lot of hard work and dedication to be able to deliver successful solutions at a company this size and scope. That's kind of what makes me love coming to work every day, but it's really a privilege when you're in a position to do something meanif- meaningful, when you have this opportunity to do so that impact. To me, it seems life-changing. That's kind of what brought me here, and that's yeah. what healthcare is for me. So so
0: you know a lot of people work at design agencies or product companies where you, design design is just part of every day like everyone 's already bought into that like what are some of the challenges that that you guys face in, in a larger organization and how do you guys tackle that problem
1: so three m is a hundred plus year old company with a deep history in manufacturing and engineering so even though We've got a team of 125 designers globally. Design is still kind of new to 3M to a lot of people, especially having this co-located design function that we have now. So it's a lot of the same problems that everybody else faces. It's always kind of evangelizing, but it's more than evangelizing because as designers we kind of like to talk about ourselves and what we do a lot, but at the end of the day we have to educate people on what we do because it's more valuable when other people are evangelizing for us than when we're evangelizing for ourselves. But at the end of the day we do want everyone to understand what we do but at some point what our team likes to do we call it show don't tell and again that sounds like hey that's what we do all the time But really, in an organization the size of 3M, you have to continually move things forward through design. And designers, I mean, that's the power of design. We recognize there's always a path to improve the current state. So for us in healthcare, that's kind of quality of care, that's compliance, it's accuracy, it's avoiding hospital readmissions, it's patient engagement. Whatever we work on, those tools, those solutions, they've got exponential impact. From medical devices to the displays that... Or on those medical devices to digital solutions, it delivers a valued experience to someone else. Yeah. So really, internally, we've got a. It's great when we have a project that's really successful for us. Success is measured primarily through productivity right now. So if we can improve productivity, and then the CEO, it goes up to the level of the CEO or anybody on that operating committee when they're actually showing the value of design to everyone else. That's when people want to work with us more
0: yeah um, you know for when I, I think when uh, we met on Twitter and I looked you up uh, found you on LinkedIn I was like, oh he's at 3m and I was like, I guess I never really really thought oh I wonder what you know what 3M would be doing in the digital space and then in our conversations leading up to this podcast, I've done more research. you guys are working on a lot of, lot of stuff. I know you can't really talk about anything so we'll we'll try to um, navigate this conversation around the way you guys do things and one of the things that stood out to me, about um, how you guys work. And first, I just want to read this quote. This I, I believe this is a quote that you wrote, and it goes, our design approach is to regularly connect with colleagues in other disciplines like marketing and R&D as strategic partners. Uh, when our UX and business teams work together with clear vision and goals, we find greater success through a shared commitment to, auth, uh, 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 I can't say the word, auth, Authenticity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's authentic. And so I think, you know, for, for those of us in the, de, in the design space and probably everyone that's listening to this podcast, we understand why that's important. But I think what's really interesting here would be to learn about how you guys do that. You know, because you can, you can have a really talented designer or design team uh, and they could maybe work really great together. But what happens when you take that really talented designer or design team and you put them in a large organization?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of our daily struggle, and it's, we're working on it. So, let me paint a picture of the company. So, about three years ago, there wasn't even a UX team. So, to grow from not having a team to double digits within those three years to growing exponentially over the next few years, we really have to think about how we come into a company that's so well-regarded and respected and stands on this century-plus foundation of innovation that comes from marketing and R&D and engineering and not really design. How do we break into that matrix? And each team has their own agenda, and agenda sounds like a funny word, so let's kind of rephrase that as vision. So they've got a vision to make an impact, and also money, right? Obviously, financially. So 3M is a big jungle with about 90,000 employees, and less than one hundredth of one percent are UX designers. So for us, we really have to make a difference in the enterprise, and for us to do that, it's kind of bringing something to the table. So we're involved in projects sometimes from day one, concept phase. Other times, you know, it's a little bit later than we want to because we don't have the bandwidth to support every project that we have. But really, it's connecting all of our different stakeholders and getting their vision and taking that designer's lens to their vision and sharing that with them to help make their vision and our vision, a combined 3M vision. Yeah. So we like to start with design briefs. Those are really important. We get as much information as we can from all the different stakeholders and we put it back into one document and then we share it back out with them.
0: Wait, so is this before like is this the starting point or or do you first have to make a case for why they why they need to talk to you or work with you or meet with you?
1: So For us, really, projects traditionally didn't come with design having a seat at the table from the very early onset. So what we have to do sometimes is bring our own seat to the table and prove that design should really be involved in strategy and early concepts and ideation. So what we do is we find out about these projects that are going on. We reach out to whoever might be that product owner and we set up time with them, or understand where meetings are, and we show up. We listen, and from there we interject, providing as much value as we can.
0: That's interesting. So, do you guys kind of operate? I mean, I don't know another parallel to this. I'll just say, like Google Ventures design, like your design team that you obviously don't have bandwidth to work on all of these things, but you're looking for these opportunities to increase value for the design. Is I mean, does that is that sound right? Is that kind of like what you guys are doing?
1: Uh, it is. We, when, when I started, that's kind of how we got on board with projects primarily. But now as we're building out the competency in healthcare, we have a design officer and our healthcare design officer meets with all of the division leaders to prioritize the projects. And then based on our bandwidth, we do kind of work on where we can add the most value. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's really cool. Um, I don't really th- think of it that way, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that I'm sure that most people that work at an enterprise can empathize with that. I mean, it, but you know, the the thing is, you know, you got to build that trust, I guess. Right? Um, how do you like before you guys get started and go down your 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 approach and your process, which we'll get to later? How do how do you how do you how do you, how do you get that that buy-in and trust initially to get your get you guys involved in what they're doing?
1: So in order to get that trust, we have to build that personal relationship with all of our stakeholders. So we really go out and spend one-on-one time with all of them to understand kind of not only the project that we're going to be working on and where that market value is in that market landscape, but really we want to understand from them how they interpret or anticipate being able to work with us and where we provide value and sometimes they only want us to come in very late in the game and, and make things look pretty. But our team, we're, we're not really here to make things look pretty. We're here to be a partner. We're not here to be a service model or service agency. So we have the ability and we're empowered as designers to say no if we don't agree with something. So ultimately, we've got a. Kind of understand that landscape and build that relationship and show them where we can add value. So for us, it's really not waiting around for conversations to take place. We really have to understand the problem and and start sketching out solutions and sharing it with the team because you can talk about what you're going to do all the time and you're not going to get anywhere. So even if it's as simple as a sketch, just show up with something and it's a talking point for everybody.
0: Yeah, it removes... Subjectivity from the table allows you to talk about something and and, and 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 sort of align on the fact that you guys actually have common goals and you know you're not working against each other. It's actually possible for you guys to work together. Um, I you know I've never worked at a, a at a big enterprise, but uh, one of my clients uh, who is a guy that I grew up with, I've known him since junior high, works for one of the largest computer manufacturers in the client of ours. And I, I see him you know, uh, dealing with this stuff every day. I think he he would actually probably uh, love, to, love to meet you and learn about how you guys navigate this. Um, could you tell us a little bit about um, what your design team looks like in size and what the competencies and sort of structure, uh, skill sets and all that sort of stuff look like?
1: So right now we're supporting six different divisions in the healthcare business group. Our UX team is about... 10 people, and we've got a few industrial designers also. So they're working on a lot of the physical products. Yeah. Our UX team right now has um, a few visual designers, a few interaction designers, and those people are playing kind of multiple roles, wearing multiple hats. Ultimately, we want to have a few specialists that can specialize in information architecture, strategy and research, content strategy. And then the interaction and visual design roles will kind of cross over into those other areas. Another role that we do need a specialist, I feel in, would be a front-end developer because a lot of designers are not great at coding. They know yeah. the basics. So we really do need, you know, some robustness in our prototypes that we would need a developer for.
0: Isn't it crazy how that's changed? Like um I think you and I both have been around for a while when designers are also coding and then, then then the industry went into specialists and now it's kind of coming back around you know that that front-end development thing is is coming back in like the need for a design technologist you know a front-end developer who is a designer
1: yeah it's it's crazy everything seems to come full circle one of the things that we realized is when we work with a business team they want to know that they have a designer on the project and to them, it doesn't matter if it's an information architect or an interaction designer. They just want to know that it's a designer. So we do have to wear those multiple hats to make the business yeah. feel comfortable. So they don't really, as much as we educate them on what the individual roles could be, they don't understand that or they don't have patience for that. They just want to know that they've got a designer who can get the job done. And that's kind of helped us build relationships with them when they see the same face all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, so on your team, I'm just curious because, you know, I'm curious from the perspective of, you know, the, the point of view that I'm, I'm hiring designers and I talk to other people about what they look for. So all, all of these different skill sets need to be available. Interaction design, user research, UX strategy, IA, visual design, UI, content strategy, front end development when you, when you guys are hiring designers, um, do you expect them to be two dimensional or three dimensional? Uh, how do you, how do you, um, how do you decide whether someone's a good fit for your team? Because you're, you are a small team and you're supporting so many different divisions. Like we talked about, like chronic care, food safety, drug delivery, uh, infection prevention, oral care. Right. And then in addition to that, there's all these things that need to happen. Um, how do you guys evaluate designers? I'm just curious.
1: So, we try to bring in designers that can handle multiple roles. Yeah. Um, we have them come in, we'd go through a portfolio review, like anything else. But really, for us, it's about their ability to speak to others and explain kind of what they're working on in a language that everybody understands. The thing that's important is that they need to kind of be able to talk to the business in a way that the business understands what they're saying and not have to explain our designer speak to them. So we look for that presentation skills and just kind of, they've got to be a really a good fit and be able to handle kind of overlapping roles. And it's been challenging to find that. Uh, We've been looking and and as we're growing out our team, it's still a challenge. Um, You know, kind of, having a ux title is still new i mean you know when we talk about how long graphic designers have had that that title that role or industrial designers yeah. being a ux designer is still relatively the last 5 or 10 years i mean you can yeah. break it out into specialties interaction design's been around longer than that but it feels like they're kind of all rolling up into ux designers and one of the things that we see is that people are just throwing ux or ui design on their resume and they're really not the type of designer so we yeah. really do have to kind of vet them and understand their skill set so it's been it's been a challenge for us
0: yeah and i think i think one of the things that would help um elaborate on that is your process so you know just for people listening to understand like how how you guys you know are structured and how you work as a team there's been several articles um, lately that have been written about the way that you guys work um, fast, fast co-design um, uh, talk to you guys about how to, des- uh, how to design with discipline. Um, there was an article that was um, um, published in digital telepathy and usability matters. And, I think all these; uh, those are just three examples. But I think what it, that points to is that there's something special going on in the, your approach to um, getting shit done, or or, or doing design, and, and even like design research. And and um, I was wondering if you could. Make, you don't have to go necessarily go through everything or talk about things that you can't talk about, but. W- what can you say about the way the like? Once you get that seat, like once you built that trust with this uh, partner uh, team, how do you, how do you guys work together? Uh, not just how do the UX team works together, but how does the UX team work, and how does the UX team work with that other partner?
1: Okay, so usually our projects are prioritized for us by our healthcare design officer, and then once we have those projects, we reach out to the individual stakeholders. We conduct stakeholder interviews. And from there, we try to build out our design brief. Our design brief really helps us gain alignment from all of the stakeholders. And then we try to understand how they envision the interactions with the customer, what those pain points or needs may be. From there, we really want to go out and then observe the customer to make sure to validate that what our stakeholders believe is actually correct.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I, I think that's interesting too. Like, we're a design agency. We have the same belief system. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch users use things. Um, do you guys have any struggles in getting budgets for that, or do you guys just do it anyway? Like it's just something you guys do. Like, um, I'm really curious about that. I mean, from a personal view, because a lot of our custom, like a lot of our customers, would love to do user testing, for example, or you know, contextual inquiry and all these sort of things, but they don't always have the budget for it but we just do it anyway like even if we do it for free because it's kind of like we just believe that it's due diligence to get our job done correctly um and it's got to be hard to it's hard to coordinate all that stuff um that's that that may be a whole other topic uh for the for the podcast obviously but i'm just curious how you guys how you guys even get like in
1: front of the users so for us that's the beauty of working at 3m we've got a lot of customers that love to be involved in the process of improving our products. It's easy for our sales team to reach out to any of our medical coding customers and ask if we can send a team of designers on site to observe and ask them questions and share some prototypes with them and and get feedback and kind of understand how they feel and how they interact with our products so that we can then take that information and compare it to what the business team kind of interpreted that as. So for us, it's identifying those gaps, especially in workflow, between how we assume the customers use our product and how they actually do. And we know that customers want to find the easiest way to do things. Um, No matter what field they are in, no matter what tasks they perform, they want it to be as efficient and seamless as possible. So a lot of times they build their own workflow and we have to understand that we can't retrain them the way we expect them to do things. We have to figure out how to solve the problems for the way that they actually do work. So for us to go out to see customers in in any of our divisions, um, no matter who those users are, we usually don't have a tough time finding them. And it's as simple as a phone call, going out there once and then getting them interested in, in being a part of the process for a few months while we go through some design sprints. And from there, once we have the prototypes built, we could use software like UserZoom and do remote user testing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, also from our earlier conversation, um, what's interesting is that through this process, I'm sure you're using 3M Post-it notes to, you know, put all the user, you know, feedback and 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 you know, you know, capturing all the various steps of your process on the wall, which is interesting because you're using a 3M tool to do work for 3M. That's That's got to be kind of interesting for for 3M employees too, right? To see 3M products being used in a design process?
1: Yeah, I think the Post-it team, they're actually uh, the floor above us where we are in our new design space. So it's great to, to bring our business colleagues in and let them see how we do use a lot of our 3M <laughs> products in our process. Post-its, as designers, Post-its are kind of our, our go-to tool. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime we can sketch something out, have a whiteboarding session. And for us, whiteboarding sessions, even though we have whiteboards, we have easel pad post-its. So those are kind of our whiteboards. But it, it just, it's weird because they say you're never more than 10 feet away from a 3M product. And that's based on a lot of the adhesives and Tapes and materials that they use, but as design. Wow,
0: that's 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 pretty that's pretty crazy to think that. Right? Yeah. And, and that's that's probably very very accurate, right? From a post-it note to some 3M technology that hangs pictures to you know tape, right? You know, like I mean, who knows, right? Like it's everywhere.
1: Exactly. Even it's like our new design center has so many 3M products. Even the paint that we use has some sort of 3M material in it. I'm I'm really bad at speaking to the business groups outside of healthcare. Yeah. But when we do talk about like having post-it notes at our disposal, like as designers, it's to have a closet full of post-it notes is like amazing.
0: Yeah, um, so I'm gonna just go ahead and put in a request for some for some post-it notes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> D- doesn't um, does Three M have an office in Austin?
1: We do. Um, yeah, I think it's our elect. I think it's our E E B G. So. I want to say that's our electronics and energy business group, but if I'm completely wrong, then I'm in trouble. But
0: (laughs) that's that's okay. I mean, it's a big company. Yeah. Um, what's that rest of that process look like? Or if you prefer, we could maybe even talk about what the challenges are for designing in healthcare in today's world with the uh, availability of data and and things like that that we have to work with. I mean, you know, I think some of the most Innovative companies that have worked with my company, Fundsize, have been in the healthcare space, but it's it seems kind of hard to some of the some. I mean, especially when you're talking about like accessibility to, to data. It's it's a little bit easier to maybe innovate on the on the experience design, but it's I, I find that it's really hard to make things happen just because of the limitation to data.
1: Yeah, that and the the security and privacy of the data yeah. also, but. Again, we work in a clinical setting, so we have a lot of access to um, patient health. So I don't have access to patient health records, but the people that use our software, the hospital groups, they have access to those patient records and all of the notes and the medical encounters that are happening. So what,
0: That's called an EMR, right?
1: Yeah, the EMR is kind of that patient information and that initial medical record but then let's say you're you're in a hospital for a couple of days and every doctor that sees you and every nurse and every test, all of that documentation is put into uh, a system. And if you're a 3M customer, then it's a 3M system. From there, um, your people, nurses, doctors are able to kind of keep track of what's going on with the patient. But on the side that we really focus on is the billing side too. So our medical coders, we're kind of taking that documents through a natural language processor and we're suggesting groupings of code and suggesting ways that it will be billed through the insurance company. And right now is a really great time for us because through our auto-suggested coding that our platform offers the medical coders went through a whole change in their coding language. Um, there was a diagnosis code, it was ICD-9, and last October it switched to ICD-10. So for all of these coders who did not, or they were familiar with specific codes as they code certain um, outcomes or, or certain conditions every day, all of that was turned upside down. So every single number that they knew changed and traditionally, they had books to look things up in, but that's not really fast. So our natural language processor actually helps them identify those codes without having to look them up and at least auto suggests codes. So if they, as they read it, they're the specialists in their field. If they need to dive deeper on a code to get it more specific, they can. So when we talk about our enterprise solutions, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of data and for us, um, just having that access to that computing power and the data allows us to, to make things easier to have better outcomes for patients, but also like I said, for the providers and for the payers.
0: Yeah, so is that, um, do you find that it's easy to take, let's say you find that great designer that may be two-dimensional, right? Um, is, it, um, is, it cha- is it challenging for designers to, to flourish in that space where Data is like a, a major driving force, or is that, or do you think that 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 most people that are doing what you and I do every day, like naturally, um, eventually or naturally or eventually, sort of succeed by having that data?
1: Um, I think it it's an interesting question because there are some designers that really like to dive deep on understanding the problem and and playing around with that data and figuring out. Ways to solve problems with that data, and there are other designers that really don't like to dive that deep. There, um, you know, for me, for HIS, it's it's been a year of learning that business, and I'm still scratching the surface on it. But I like to, you know, spend that time and understand it really well. Where some other designers would rather work on a few other projects in that same time frame that it takes for somebody to learn, you know, an intricate project like. You know, one of those medical coding softwares, or any of our enterprise solutions.
0: I think that's the beauty of having people being multidimensional. But like you said earlier, having the specialist that the user researcher, for example, that wants to that really wants to dive in deep. So how, how does how does your team or how are you guys um, working to evangelize how user experience can make a difference in your organization? How do you how do you measure it? The success of the team.
1: <laughs> so. Um, I think designers naturally want to understand the uh, value that they bring, but we try not to make the case to justify the design or, or the outcomes that design brings. But we do like to measure that success. So for us to educate, I, I like to kind of say that we've got three E's, and that's like a personal thing, not a three M thing. Okay, but, but it's you know educate, empathize, and execute, and for us really to to educate which is more than than evangelizing it's about kind of holding those lunch and learns and and sitting down with our stakeholders and our business teams to really help them understand what what we're doing and our process and and how we tackle problems and how we want to hold workshops to kind of help them solve their problems because you know as designers we need to take our storytelling skills and help them tell their story so that it becomes our story. And it's really important to do that. Um, aside from lunch and learns and workshops, we we like to do some share outs of case studies to show that we've had success in certain areas. And it's really about having our successes work their way up the ladder so that we can have leaders kind of evangelizing for us. Yeah. Aside from that, we talk about empathizing, and as UX designers, we have to always be the advocate for the user. So we want to have that user's seat at the table aside from that designer's seat. So building that empathy and helping them have that empathy for our users is really important to us. We do that through journey mapping workshops. Our team likes to kind of get the business take on the journey map and then observe and build the customer journey map and show them where the gaps are there. And then really it's about executing. At some point you just have to do the work. And by doing the work and showing the value of design, it's easy to say, hey, we've increased productivity by X percent. Or even if we realize that maybe the the need that we're going for isn't great. I mean... Sometimes businesses, you know, the product that we put out, it might not be the right time for that. So, what we have to do is kill a project once in a while. Nobody wants to see the projects die, but maybe the market isn't ready for it. Maybe, Mm. maybe it's a bad idea, right? Maybe it wasn't as good as we thought. Maybe our execution just sucked. We need to know when to stop the bleeding. Sometimes,
0: yeah, and that's 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 always hard to as a designer to accept that you know that that you got to kill the baby, but. Sometimes you do, yeah, and
1: I mean those resources can be placed somewhere else that can add more value,
0: yeah, so Andy, what do you hope that you and your team will accomplish in the in the short term? What does the future look like for uh, design at three m healthcare
1: Our team in healthcare really we're just looking to continue to grow so that we can provide as much impact to our Projects and the business teams that they really need. When we talk about like our health information systems, there's hundreds of developers. If we have one or two designers trying to keep that many developers busy, we yeah. probably can, but not in the way that we really want to. So for us, it's really building that team, um, making the impact wherever we can, starting with where we provide the most value. And then through those successes, Adding people to the team and just building it to where we want it to be.
0: One last question for you, because I, I, I didn't expect to ask you this, but since what you just said just inspired me to ask you this question. So, um, you, Peter Merholtz is a friend of mine, and I just saw him give his most recent um, um, keynote on design orgs for design t- for design orgs for design orgs or something like that. Sorry, Peter. Sorry for butchering the name title of your book. Anyway. And in, in, in this presentation, he was talking about the typical uh, balance between design and engineers is usually 8 to 20. Um, if, and it, in a, it may be different for everyone, but if that, if that is the golden ratio and you guys are where you're at right now, is the challenge finding people or is the challenge getting the budget to go find people?
1: I think for us, the challenge is finding people. Uh, right now, we want all of our U.S. designers to be co-located in the Twin Cities. And the first thing, you when we talk to somebody and say, hey, we want you to come to St. Paul, they're like, oh, it's freezing there. And really, I don't want to turn this into advocating for the whole yeah. town that I live in, but I, I didn't expect to come here. Um, and I ended up coming here and loving it. This is a great town. There's a lot to do here. So it's really, if I can... Talk to one designer that's like, oh, I don't know if I should go work at 3M. It kind of sounds cool, but I'm so scared of the the winter. The winters, they're a little bit bad. They're not as bad as you think. And yeah, really, like this is a cool place to be. It's a cool town. There's a lot of um, focus on design now. There's a lot of building up the design function, and 3M is really investing in design, so it's a great place to be. And for us, it's taken us a year to kind of get to double digits two years to get to double digits but I think it's starting to get easier as we're getting you know more and more people are hearing about design at 3m that's
0: that's cool man so if anyone's listening to this and are interested in working on digital products in the healthcare space you got to hit up Andy um, Andy, why don't you tell us how people can find you? On the interwebs and whatnot.
1: Sure. So at Andy Vitali on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, every social, anything, and um, at 3M Design on Twitter or 3m.com/slash/design, and we've got open jobs there too. You can just click through the job opportunities link.
0: I might have to talk to you about podcast sponsorship.
1: Yeah. I mean I w I wouldn't be that person, but I can probably put you in touch with who would oh, be. Oh yeah.
0: Well, Andy, I really wanna thank you for taking time out of your busy day to, to talk with me. And we've been trying to coordinate this for a long time now. I know it's I know you're I know you're really busy, so I, I definitely appreciate um. Appreciate you doing it. Yeah, no, it's
1: it's been fun. I'd love to actually come back and and do it again sometime.
0: Anytime you want, man. I mean, maybe we can you know find a way to to do it in person, meet up at a conference or something.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh,
0: Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the podcast, the Hustle Podcast, and we will talk to you soon. See you later. This episode of Hustle is brought to you by Envision. Design better, faster, together. Learn more at envisionapp.com. Hustle is brought to you by FunSize, a digital product design studio that crafts delightful digital user experiences with inspiring product companies. Follow us at HustleCast and FunSize on Twitter.